Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Ewan Lawson. In this episode, I am talking to Dr. Sean Russell about research into the use of news and their use in care homes. So just one quick housekeeping notice before we get onto that. If you are a UK-based subscriber to the BJGP, and if you are a member of the Royal College of GPs, then you will be, uh, you need to opt in if you want to receive a copy of the monthly print journal. Everyone can access the digital flipbook, but you do need to opt in if you want that monthly print copy to land on your doormat. So there are links in the emails that have been sent out by college and by us. But if you're missing those or you just want to go direct, then visit bjgplife.com forward slash print to take that step. OK, so let's get on with the research. Dr. Sean Russell is a postdoctoral research associate at the Population Health Sciences Institute at Newcastle University. The BJGP has just published a paper titled Implementation of the National Early Warning Score in UK Care Homes a qualitative evaluation. So the first thing I asked Shan was just to tell us a little bit more about news and its use in primary care. Okay, so news is the national early warning score, um, which was developed by the uh, Royal College of um, Physicians. And it was designed to be used in the acute setting. Um, so in hospitals, things like that. And it was supposed to basically uh, it can track and also uh, highlight deterioration, so acute deterioration in a patient. And it's supposed to enable a sort of a smooth communication between, say, a nurse and a consultant sort of thing. Um, and what you need uh, to calculate and use <clears throat> is to take vital signs. Now, each vital sign is given a score of zero to three. Uh, and then the news itself becomes an aggregate score of these uh, vital sign scores. Um, and of course, there are certain uh, clinical thresholds within those scores that indicate whether you should continue monitoring the patient through to a sort of emergency response. Um, and uh, quite importantly, and I think sometimes gets forgotten, is that news is not meant to be a standalone tool. So if you're using news, you should be also applying your own uh, knowledge and skills beyond that to assess the needs of that patient. Um, so if there's something, say, about their behaviour that uh, might be indicating something. So you could have a relatively low news, but there could be something going on that is worth communicating more than just that news. So it's really been embraced in hospitals, hasn't it? And, it, and you can understand why, because of the, they've got all these anxieties about patients deteriorating that they've missed. And that's an understandable concern for us as well in primary care. And of course, that relates to your researchers in um uh, residents of care homes and they've we've got their own concerns about uh, deterioration and making sure we pick that up so there seems like an obvious translation there but we'll talk about that a little bit in a minute tell us a little bit about what you did in your research okay so um the the evaluation that we did was um obviously looking at the implementation of news in care homes so news has been filtering through into community settings uh, such as care homes and primary care and things like that for a few years now and um, the evidence around the appropriacy feasibility and everything for news in these settings is sort of struggling to catch up with these implementations now um, so uh, we basically wanted to do this small evaluation looking um, at a range of things but for this particular paper we're con concerned about here it was a qual evaluation qualitative evaluation looking to understand people's um, views towards news, experience of using it in this setting. So care home staff and, and healthcare professionals that support the care homes uh, and things like that, just to see so what was working, what wasn't working, 
where could improvements be made and get some of a sense of how it's sort of been uh, received in that setting sort of thing. Um, so like I say, we did qualitative interviews, we analysed these and then um, we also then applied some normalisation process theory constructs to it to just see where the gaps in the implementation were just to give it more of an implementation feel. Yeah, tell us a little bit more. What did they, there was obviously, this wasn't, this is not something that's been rolled out nationally. It was just a few care homes, wasn't it, in the north of England? Mm -hmm. So it was basically, uh, the implementation itself was driven by the CCG. Um, and uh, they, as is often quite common for CCGs, they had uh, resources that they need to, needed to use within an arbitrary time, which sort of meant that they had to do this. Um, uh, relatively quickly and didn't necessarily have um, the resources in place that ideally would have wanted to. Um, so initially they did a bit of a proof of concept in five of the care homes and then it was rolled out to the other 40 plus homes uh, within, the, uh, within the area. Uh, so that was done quite quickly. The training that they provided was um, more tech focused because what the intervention involved was equipment for taking vital signs and then a digital tablet where you would input those vital signs and it would calculate the muse for you and then give you instructions as to what you should do, monitor through to call for call 999 sort of thing. Um, and the training was delivered um, outside of the care home. So care home sort of selected some of their staff to go to this training. Uh, they were given this training about the tech and then uh, they had the opportunity to um, take vital signs on the peers and things like that. And then back into the care home where hopefully they would pass on that knowledge to um, other members of staff. Uh, the problem with that um, we found really was that it meant that care home staff weren't getting that um, real world experience of taking vital signs on medically complex people. So uh, residents in care homes have um, a, a lot of potential medical complications. You know, they're very frail, very old, um, highly likely to be in the last few years of their life, um, a high uh, level of dementia, and things like that, which is massively complicated if you want to take their vital signs. So another caveat to it is, of course, care homes, especially residential care homes. These are homes. They're, that's where the resident lives. And the care home staff have to balance out um, looking out for their health care needs alongside, of, um, alongside person centred care, uh, which we found sometimes created a bit of tension for this intervention. So. Um, uh, the, a care home staff might become concerned about um, a resident, there could be some changes in their behaviours, what have you. So they would want to take and use um, or at least get some vital signs, but the um, resident might be quite agitated. They could have dementia and they're not, therefore not be able to understand what's happening. Uh, some um, really didn't like having their vital signs taken by somebody who they didn't think was a healthcare professional and, and things like that. So then, um, it meant that the care home had to balance up, well, do we further agitate and push for this or do we call for help without the news? And so that could create a bit of a tension for them, um, especially if who they ended up speaking to then said, no, please go get a news. That could be quite a complicated situation for them. Yeah. So in your results, you found there was three main themes, wasn't there, that you identified? Um, and you discussed some of those things. And some of those points there, I think, are really important about how challenging it, it was. And in particular, just also, you talk a little bit about taking vital signs that actually there's a little bit of an assumption, particularly uh, perhaps it might happen amongst GPs and primary care health staff, that that's a straightforward thing to do. And in fact, it's not at all. It takes, you know, it takes quite a lot of time to train people to do that correctly. And as you mentioned there, these are complex 
patients who have difficult and needs, and they're also there providing those personal needs. So a really complex picture. Mention briefly just those three main themes you found as well, though, because that highlights some other areas as too, doesn't it? One of the things I guess that's in, in, important to bear in mind is that um, while our paper does expose some of the issues that um, care homes found and healthcare professionals found in communicating with, with the care homes, one thing that was quite interesting was that um, the benefit and the, the potential of news was actually quite well acknowledged. Um, and there has been this, a lot of the time you see in uh, other situations where news or something like news is being implemented, there's this idea that it will empower care home staff. And there was an element of that, you know, it, it was, uh, for some staff, it was quite uh, liberating to be able to get the head around it and be able to take the vital signs and, and engage in those sort of um, activities and things they wouldn't necessarily have been doing. Um, so they, they did appreciate it, they understood why it was there, it was, it was seen as quite legitimate. Um, however, of course, um, there were a lot of barriers and problems with how it was actually being used and, and things like that, but it is important that um, it was seen as a legitimate thing to do in, in care homes, in, in this study anyway. Yeah, so that very much came through in that first key theme, didn't it? You've talked a little bit already about the second theme, which was the inhibitors to engagement and integration, some of the challenges there, and I think they're really important. Uh, and then the third one was really about shortfalls in communication. Yeah, um, there were lots of issues around communication that were found in the implementation. Um, partly, um, care homes themselves weren't necessarily always brought into the fold in terms of how the implementation happened and things like that. And um, like going forward, if you were to be planning your own implementation of news, it would be really quite important, we found, to um, really try and include the care homes have an ongoing consultation with them so that they really understand what the intervention is about and they have a, an element of choice in, in how it's, it's put into their homes sort of thing. Um, one of the things I thought was quite important as well was um, the healthcare profession professionals did often comment on how some homes were doing really well with it, whereas others weren't necessarily doing very well with it. And part of that came down to um, care homes that maybe were, were doing well pretty well with everything. So high functioning homes had a quite a solid staff base, didn't suffer all of that high staff turnover, whereas the homes that seemed to be struggling were ones that were maybe struggling in a lot of areas. So one of the things that I suppose would, you would need to take into account is should uh, care homes be assessed to their readiness of using such a complex in, in, uh, intervention before just going ahead with an implementation um, and then putting those care homes in a situation where they can't really engage and maybe they're taking time away from tasks they should be doing for the news. You know, maybe uh, that sort of thing should be happening. Um, but in terms of like the actual you know, role of news should have been to improve communication. And some of the time the, the homes themselves found that uh, that was actually a breakdown. Um, so they would call for help and um, from say a GP uh, surgery, for example, and the receptionist wouldn't have heard of news. Um, or when they finally spoke to a, a GP, the GP wouldn't, wouldn't be interested in news, they'd just be interested in certain vital signs and, and things like that. So they were getting some mixed messages. Um, and in addition, um, the care homes themselves um, maintaining a sort of a baseline for um, their, their residents. So they're taking these news uh, readings, hopefully, once a month and building up this baseline. And sometimes like 
they could call and they wouldn't be listened to in terms of their concerns related to the baseline or whether they had a minor concern, but they were being told to co contact emergency services because this was deemed a, a high news when actually it was relatively normal for this resident and all this sort of stuff. So there seemed to be a, a bit of a breakdown there in terms of um, mainly the care homes being listened to. Um, I think that was a, a big problem. And I think in many ways, uh, it's sort of why news is there in the first place, because often care homes aren't being listened to in the right way. Um, and I think that's been an ongoing discussion for, for our team and, and, and wider people that we've been speaking to is um, like, why is the news there? Uh, could it be that actually if there was improvements in communication um, in terms of actually listening to care homes and giving them a language to speak with soft signs, would we really need the news itself sort of thing? So that's another caveat, I guess. Yeah, I know it's in your paper, you said only about a third of them used it regularly. And this, this all ties into this great big concern about news and it creeping into primary care without a terribly good evidence base and it's not been appropriately validated. You're certainly giving a picture that um, your research paints a picture and it's, it's complex, isn't it? It's incredibly complex and clearly a top-down approach, just imposing it on care homes is, a, is likely to run into the buffers very, very quickly. In a few words, can you? I know it's incredibly difficult because it is a complex piece of research with lots of nuances and subtleties. Can you summarise your findings? The implementation of news in care homes is a complex picture, um, and in order to do so, um, that first you need to have um, an idea of the training that you're going to be implementing. Uh, if the training isn't isn't right, it's not going to work. Um, there needs to be a good level of support for the care homes, and the care homes themselves need to be listened to in terms of. The process of the implementation um, but also when they are using news and i think a couple of things that um going forward from the findings that are very important is you need to listen to care homes because there could be genuine reasons why they're not able to take the news um and uh, they're having to balance up quite a lot of complex issues at the same time in order to um assess the residents and they need to make sure they're doing things that are right for the residents as well as communicating fairly to healthcare professionals and i think going forward, the jury is still out as to how appropriate news is, how it should be implemented and things like that. In going forward with news, I think we all need to be careful, consider the evidence that's out there rather than necessarily rolling forward without due consideration in time. Sean, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again. <laughs>